You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I have the distinct honor uh, to introduce my friend and really mentor in many ways, Rabbi Avram Herman. Uh, Rabbi Herman uh, is the Rav of the Elmora Synagogue, the JCs Elmora Synagogue in Elizabeth, and I've had this host not only to work together with him in, in so many ways, and, but also to hear uh, his uh, droshas and to hear one of the, I think, Rabbi, probably one of the most difficult things a rabbi has to do is six minutes in between Mincha and Marif. I think that's probably the hardest. Five minutes for a rabbi is always hard, but to be able to encapsulate ideas and to work day to day is a very, very difficult thing. Rabbi Herman does it excellently. And I heard him holding forth on topics that had to do with uh, Pesach, specifically uh, today's topic, which is uh, matzah, shira, egg matzah, and kidneys. And I said to him, Rabbi, let's put it all together uh, for a shir for our platform. Uh, there's a lot on everybody's minds about so many different areas of preparing for Pesach. Um, in the course of giving this shir, or speaking about it between Mincha and Mayrev, uh, one of the things that I noted was how when it comes to matzah, ashira, egg matzah, when it comes to the concept of kidneys, of uh, the stringency of not eating uh, you know, certain products that fall into, let's say, the general legume family, uh, it creates a big divide in the Jewish people. Uh, people who uh, live in the same community, people who are friendly with each other and would eat at each other's homes um, on a regular basis. But when it comes to Pesach, uh, these issues uh, created the big divide between the Svardim and Ashkenazi. And so it's important for us to really understand what's the background of these halachos, and then we can understand um, the difficulty in... Um, you know, the uh, the divide that it does exist. So let's begin with uh, egg matzo. But to understand egg matzo and kidneys, we have to start with a little bit of an introduction. <clears throat> because I think the rabbis developed a certain perspective about Hilchas Pesach based on the Torah. Uh, the Torah, the Torah's numerous prohibitions regarding products on Pesach, chametz on Pesach, differentiates this area of halacha from the rest of the Torah. So you start off with um, chametz having three Torah prohibitions. Um, achila, one is eating. The other one is hanoa, deriving any kind of benefit, gain from it, and ownership. So when it comes to achila, we have a very, very uh, strong built-in stringency with achila because we know that there are many foods that are not kosher or not you're not allowed to eat. Uh, but they don't have a punishment of kares. They may have a punishment of malkas, but they don't have a punishment of kares. Um, here, when it comes to eating chametz on Pesach, the punishment is much more severe than any other area of prohibited foods. The punishment is kares. So that right away puts um, uh, chametz in a whole category, different category. Then you have the Isra Hana, the prohibition from deriving any kind of pleasure or benefit, um, whether it's financial, such as receiving payment for it, 
or even enjoying, let's say, the aroma of, uh, of chametz on Pesach. The Torah prohibits a Jew from having any benefit from chametz on Pesach. Again, that differentiates it from many Isurim. Um, if something is not kosher, it doesn't mean that you can't have hanah, can't have benefit from it. If a person has non-kosher meat, there's no isser of deriving any kind of benefit from it. When it comes to pay, uh, chametz, you're not only are not allowed to eat it, uh, but you're not allowed to de- derive any kind of pleasure. How is it Beyond that, we have the third category. I'm sorry? How is it different from basar v'chalav? Basar v'chalav that you cook also has an isser hanah. That's true. But there's no isser kares um, that's attached to it. So, yeah, so in, 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 in one of these areas, you might have some similarities to other things, but not all three. You're not going to have all the three Torah prohibitions. Now, when it comes to chametz, you cannot have any, any ownership and you can't have any kind of jurisdiction over it. And so the Torah clearly um, goes to quite an extreme to, uh, to explain the prohibition or to define, to correct, to create these very severe uh, parameters of uh, chametz, and then you have another um, um, mitzvah related to chametz, and that's lahashvis or biyadach, and you have to destroy it. Beer, you have to destroy the chametz. So it's not enough that you don't eat it. It's not enough that you don't have pleasure from it. It's not enough that you don't own it, you've got to take a positive action of destroying chametz. So what we're told is that when the rabbis, you know, come out and saw all of these various isurim that the Torah places on chametz that differentiates it from, um, from other categories of prohibited foods, so then the rabbis added to this. The rabbis came along and also added their own chametz to already the chametz of the Torah. For example, uh, a mashu. We we know that there's a concept of bittel. There's a concept of nullification. Um, so that if let's say something non-kosher dripped into your soup, um, so then the soup could still be kosher as long as you have shishim. As, as long as you have sixty times kosher against the non-kosher, it's going to be kosher. Um, or in some cases, robe, if you have a majority, that's going to be good enough to maintain that it's kosher. When it comes to um, chametz, the rabbi said if some chametz gets mixed into a mixture on Pesach, it's even going to be a mashuhu, even a negligible amount, even if you have a thousand times more than the chametz that mixed in. And even if you're not going to be able to detect any kind of taste from the chametz, it's going to uh, render the entire mixture as uh, not not usable on Pesach, and you get and you the only option that you have at that point is throwing it out. You got to th- you can't even sell it to a non-Jew. You got to throw it out. So that's the rabbis taking this to a whole new level of a mashu. And another thing about uh, searching your house, right? The the description of how you're supposed to search your house for chametz is. You got to go look in the holes and the crevices to get out uh, any possible chametz that exists in anywhere uh, in your house. Why does a person have to go to such great lengths? You know, I understand in the area where you're uh, preparing the food, but uh, for the rabbis to say you got to be so 
a, you know, uh, conscientious and so thorough to look for any possible remnants of chametz. Again, there's something unique to this prohibition, to this category of chametz. So this is like kind of sets the table for understanding some of the sakhalacha, some of the halachic decisions that the rabbis gave for chametz. Um, so let's now turn to the issue of the egg matzah. Where does the issue of the egg matzah begin? And it has Reish Lakish, who, um, who puts forth a position about um, what we call egg matzah, and then it's con contradicted with the b'risa. So let me just explain what Reish Lakish says. Reish Lakish says that if Isa Shinilosha, if you have an Isa, if you have a dough that's been kneaded with either wine, oil, honey, so his language is, You're not going to be chayiv for it's fermenting a punishment of kares. Okay, that's the statement of Reish Lakish. And the Gemara kind of wants to figure out, well, what did Reish Lakish exactly mean? So Rab Idi Barabin explains what Reish Lakish meant by saying, well, Reish Lakish talked about a situation of may peros, fruit juices. And he says, may peros ain machmitzin, that fruit juices did not cause a process of chimutz. So, first of all, let's take one step back over here. You know, we, we talk about egg matzah, but it's, egg matzah is really a misnomer, right? Egg matzah is really just one, uh, uh, one way of, one, uh, one category or one situation of, um, of what we would describe as may peros. In other words, really what the Gemara is telling us is that anything but water, any fruit juice, wine, oil, bash, honey, and eggs, right? They all fall into the same category, right? Um, so the same halacha would apply if you use any of these ingredients. And basically what Reish Lakish is saying, the way it's understood by Rabbi Yibarabin, is that they, can, they do not make chametz. And since they do not make chametz, that's why Reish Lakish said, you're not chayiv, kares, if you eat it. That's Reish Lakish. So the Gemara says, well, we need a little bit, we have a problem with this Reish Lakish because there's a brisa. A brisa is a teaching of an earlier, uh, of early rabbis of the Tanoim, and they said as follows. Um, you can't knead a dough on Pesach with wine, oil, and honey. And if you do, so Rabbi Gamliel says, you got to burn that mixture. Ooh, you got to burn the mixture. Why do you have to burn the mixture? Obviously, there's a chametz problem. That's why you have to burn it, right? Um, and um, from that uh, statement of the Brisa, the Gemara says, how do we reconcile this with Rabbi Lakish? The Brisa seems to be saying you have to burn it because it's chametz. And the way Ravidi Barabin explained Reish Lakish, may peros ain machmitzin. May peros, fruit juices, can cause chametz. So then if it can't cause chametz, then what are you burning it? It's a contradiction, Rashi. And I'll start off by saying that Rashi is a, almost a singular view. He's a minority view in this um, answer. And he says, you know, there's two types of chametz. Chametz that we're familiar with, if you take water, you mix it up, mix it up with flour. So then there's a process of chimutz that's going on in that mixture that's going to turn that dough into chametz um, usually in 18 minutes 
But there's another process that doesn't um, uh, result in the same conclusion, in the same end, uh, meaning there's going to be some kind of a change, but not one that's going to make it real chametz. And that's called chametz nuksha. Chametz nuksha is another category of chametz. Um, and Rashi says that if you take fruit juice and you mix it into flour, if you take eggs and mix it into flour, it's not going to turn into real chametz. It's going to turn into what's called chametz nuksha, a chametz that kind of stopped in somewhere in the process and never came fully uh, developed into, into chametz. It's still usur, still prohibited, but on a different category as real chametz, like flour and water. And so that's how Rashi wants to reconcile the question on Reish Lakish. Reish Lakish, when he says, Ein machmitzin, it doesn't become chametz, he's talking about the chametz of flour and water. That kind of chametz, which is a real Torah prohibition, if you eat that and you get kares, that this fruit juice or egg juice in, in the flour will never bring it to that level. It will never bring it to that level as water and flour. And you're not going to get the same punishment, it doesn't have the same, uh, same Consequences, and that's why Reish Lakish says you're not going to be chayiv kares because it's not real chametz. But it is chametz nuksha. It is this chametz nuksha, and that's why the Brisa says tisaret. That's why it has to be burned because it is a type of chametz, and you can't have it around. But it's not as severe as the classic chametz that we're. They okay? Are you allowed to eat egg matzah according to Rashi? He said absolutely not. It's chametz nuksha. You're having this. It's 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 not classic chametz, but it's this other lesser category of chametz, and you absolutely cannot eat that kind of chametz. As I said, Rashi is a minority opinion. Almost uh, all the rest of the Rishonim, Tosfos, Rambam, and the Aruch Hashulchan says Rov Rishonim, the majority of Rishonim, Rush and others have a different way to reconcile this contradiction. And they say that Reish Lakish is speaking about 100% fruit juice, 100% eggs, 100% wine, 100% oil, no water diluting it at all. It's 100%. And if it's 100%, Reish Lakish says, and in fact, it cannot become chametz. It cannot become chametz. It won't be chametz. What is it? It's a nice mixture of fruit juice and flour, making a different type of product that is absolutely not chametz. It cannot become chametz. You leave the fruit juice mixed into the flour all day long, it's not going to turn into chametz. It's not going to turn into chametz. Is there any reason not to eat it? Nope, no reason not to eat it. It's probably even the safest thing to eat in the world because it can't become chametz. What's the problem? What about the brisa? The brisa says that if you mix it in, you have to burn it. So they say, ah, that's talking about where your fruit juice was diluted. You put a little water in with the mixture. You put a little water in with the mixture, you know what happens? It's, it's worse 
than flour and water. Because flour and water, we're taught, takes 18 minutes to turn it into chametz. When you have fruit juice mixed into water, it's memaher. It speeds up the chametz process and it's going to become chametz much faster. And it's much more difficult to deal with because if it's going to speed up the chametz process, then I have to be concerned that maybe I didn't bake it fast enough and it became chametz. So that's how you uh, reconcile. So again, if I have 100% egg matzah, meaning 100% eggs mixed with flour, according to the majority opinion, Reish Lakish would be saying, Ein machmitzin, it can't become chametz, and there's no, absolutely no reason in the world not to eat it. According to the Brisa, if you have a little bit of water diluted into it, then I've got a problem. Now, usually when we have a machlokas rishonim, and the overwhelming majority of the rishonim feel that there's no problem, we would normally paskin that way. That's how we would rule. We go by the majority. And in fact, <laughs> you look in the Shulchan Aruch, you look in the Shulchan Aruch, that's the way the Machaber in the Shulchan Aruch paskin. That's the way he read, that's the way he put down the rule. And I'll just read it to you. May peros below mayin. See, he emphasizes that. If you have your fruit juice and there's no water, ein machmitzin klal. It does not become chametz at all. Umutar le'echol bepesach. You're allowed to eat it on Pesach. Matzah shenilosha b'mei peros. Afilu shohas o'kolayom. That's in Simon Tuf Samach Beis. Right? Even if you if it was that way all day, it's not a problem. The only thing is, you can't be yotze with it or your matzah at the Seder, because we call that matzah ashira. Mayin, if you have your fruit juice with water, mimaharin lahachmitz, yosem misharisa. It speeds up the process of chametz more than other doughs. Hilkach ein lolush bahem. Therefore, don't need with them. What Don't need with what? Don't need with fruit juice with, that, with water. Because we are concerned about that quickening, the hastening of the chametz process. But if you do, do just bake it off very quickly. Don't leave it around. Okay. So what do you say about egg matzahs according to the machaber? And the svardim follow the machaber. What are you going to say? Are they allowed to eat egg matzah? Any reason not to eat egg matzah? Absolutely not. Doesn't hate. Enjoy. Enjoy the egg matzah. Not a problem. So where does our minah come in? Where, why are we so machmir? So the Ramah in, in Siftal it says, sorry, Mendino Seilu ain nohagin lelush peros. In our countries, in our Eastern European countries, we do not have a minute to knead with fruit juice. Even Liktova Matzo say nohagin. And even to go ahead and to baste the matzah with some liquid, we're not going to do that. No, 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 no. We don't do that. Very, very strong. Ain't no hagin. The ain lishanos, and we can't change our minute. So what's the chumrah of the Ramah, the stringency of the Ramah based on? So the Mishnah explains. He has two concerns. Number one, 
that is Choshesh Likatchila, is Choshesh Likatchila for the Svaras Hani Poskim, the Svirlu, the May Paris Bulchudayu Gamke Machitza. He's worried about the, those opinions, like Rashi, who say that may payros, fruit juice, 100% fruit juice, on their own, hasten the chametz process. So, for that reason, we have to go ahead and be machmer. Right? Uh, and also, he's choshesh that even if you're going to say, I'm not choshesh for that. But who can guarantee that some water won't get mixed in with the fruit juice over the egg juice? And that what you think is 100% may not be exactly 100%. And for those two reasons, the Ramah says we're machmer. Now, in the normal klale apsak, in the normal rules apsak, um, we wouldn't need to be machmer like this. Like the Aruch HaShulchan said, that rove of the Rishonim rule, not like Rashi. And they rule that it can't become chametz. And usually we follow that rule. But here, he says, they took on this chumrah. And the way they explain why they took on the chumrah, again, if they take a look at what the Torah tells us about chumrahs, we try to stay as far away from any possibility of chumrahs as we can. And we're going to do that even in our klole hapsak, even in the, in the way we paskin. Now, you could see that the um, Ramah saying that he's not going to call it chametz, he's not going to call it outright chametz. And the greatest proof of that is that he ends up by saying that the shah in difficult circumstances where a person can eat regular matzah, let's a person so ill, and that regular matzah is going to be impossible for him. Someone who's very old, who needs this. So then he's ready to be mechel. He's ready to be lenient for that. Now, nobody's going to be lenient with outright chametz. Of course not. So you see that they're willing to, uh, the Ramad's willing to attain some leniency in it because in terms of Chloe Absak, we should definitely say that this is okay. But for everyone else who could rely on regular matzah, so they're going to say, no, sorry, we have to go ahead and be machmir and be choshesh for these very extreme. If you know that it's that there's no water in it, and obviously there's a shash, water might be in it, so that would be a reason uh, to be worried because of the Israel Hametz. But if there's no water, according to Rashi that you say, and those shitas that hold that it's Hametz Nuksha, so the Chiyav <coughs> Sreifa is because, is there an Israel Baal Yiro on the, on the, what's the Chiyav Sreifa? Because it's, it's not the Israel Baal Yiro, we just don't want you to eat it and be over on eating Hametz Nuksha. Right. So, right. So we have, right, exactly. So chametz nuksha you have to get rid of, right? Do you have, um, you're not allowed to hold chametz nuksha is, is chametz that actually was chametz and yeah. then, then got to a point that it spoiled or it formed into something like the word says, nuksha. It, 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 right. it's, it plasterizes. It starts right. as a dough that you could eat. It's edible. But then something happens. And, and it, maybe that's what Rashi means as well, that when it's when when fruit juices are mixed with uh, with mixed with the flour, what happens is it accelerates it to the point that it goes it, like it be, like it was chametz at one point, and then it went beyond chametz. 
And it went to the point that it was like, like, like Hametz Plus, which in this case, just like when you have a plasterized old piece of bread, you call that Hametz Nuksha. So maybe that's what happens here too, when you have the, 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 the egg matzah. And there's an Isra Karis. Where do we find you have the Shem Chometz without Karis? So I'm trying to say that what happens is, is that it's, it, it, it was like the Shem Chometz, but it, in a way it, it, it evolved. When it becomes Nuksha, what's the reason why if you have that plasterized stuff that you're not going to be Chayev? Because it's already, we say it's not really Reilachila, it's not Achilas Chometz. It's interesting that Rashi applies the same appellation to to egg matzah or to matzah meperes, right? Like like like, what's the where's the nukshishabo? That's what I'm 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 having a hard time wrapping my head around. Yeah, so um, I mean, how does it become qualified as chametz nuksha? So I I I've seen definitions of nuksha of where a process uh, of chametz kind of like was impeded, it stopped. I I don't know if it's necessarily where you had complete chametz and uh, then it got spoiled or hardened. Um, um, that's one form of chametz nuksha. But I, um, for example, the in, the Mishra talks about nuksha mikre davashena chametz gomor. It's something that's not chametz gomor, meaning to say kamo osan shasofrim madapkin bonir osay and shosim kemachamayim. That's what? that's like a paste that they right right. But he calls it's not chametz. It's not chametz gomor, is it? Not chametz gomor uh, because it was it was uh, it became chametz, and now by making it a paste, you took away. But no, but it, if that's the case, then that would really be chametz gomor until it becomes in a royal If it did, if it didn't happen on Pesach itself, especially right. So you're talking about something. Even if you made the the way I understood this idea of the paste. Was that you put use flour, use water, but there's a there's a process of making it that it doesn't go into the bread way, but it right. but it has the same ingredients sort of a bread. Right. Then it becomes yeah, yeah. becomes it becomes as you say a, a paste or a glue right. that is made from you. So it didn't become real chametz gomor. It didn't become the chametz gomor. It became, I guess, quasi chametz. I don't know exactly how to qualify. If you want to be chayshish, so what 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 are you being over? Uh, okay, so let's take a look over here. Um, by the way, the second definition of chametz nuksha that the Mishnah says isa shelo nimtza bo adayin shum sedek o shechsifu paneho. Right, that it, apparently it, again it, it, the cracks that are 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 uh, a sign of the chametz process didn't happen, or the dough turned pale white. So something happens to it. So maybe that's what's happening to. The uh, fruit juice and and flour mixture as well, right? So right? now, in terms of the din, um, the Mishnah says, "Chometz nuksha eno over olav mishum ba'yira ba'yimatzei." You're not going to be over ba'yira ba'yimatzei. It sounds like you could, but berak midrabanan sarich levaaro. That's so yisarif. When the Bryce says yisarif, it's only harchaka. Uh, Right, it's arachalavara. You got to remove it, right? When you say arachaka, right? It's only a, it's only a, it's a dinder abon and arachaka, but it's not oh, right. Right, the dirshu by the way, the dirshu on that rock with the wrong arachalavara writes over there. Gezera shemayavol laochol. Gezera, you might come to eat it. 
right? And and and, and Isra Achila is some sort of love, although we're not sure what that is either. Like the love. Well, again, in the Isra Achila, again, the Dershu brings down some interesting sources over here. Olinyan Achila Chometz Nuksha Im Asura Hu He Minatora Midrabanan. It's a Machokas Tanoi. And he says the Magan Avram writes that the Dasa Shulchan Aruch is that's an Issa Midrabanan. But but that's real. But but I just want to point out to you, that, uh, Rabbi Kavalevich. But that's only by real chametz nafsho, l'chol hadeos, according to all opinions. I'm just saying but we're we're, 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 we're gonna, dealing we're gonna... with uh, with egg matzah that rogue people will say is not chametz nafsho, and that's why nobody says that you have to get rid of your egg matzah. I'm just saying, even if even if we say there was only the shitas rashi, what would be the avera of of eating and having? Uh, egg so, so I would say that it, it would fall into what is said earlier that uh, you, you need to remove it and you, you shouldn't eat it with the rabbana. Okay. It, was, it seemed like there was a, a more of a cow type of hanhoga about egg matzah than. Sure, yeah. I remember chocolate covered egg matzah. Right, right. Now that's right. now that's a pace I have to remember exactly. <laughs> I may be giving away my age, but I remember. I think Barton Barton's producer. Sure. That was uh, sure, that was what we were waiting for. That's what right. I, it came in a box. Was, there were papers in between. <laughs> I remember it that still. Was the best. And I remember eating it. <laughs> All the time. Oh, yeah, I when that, I was a little kid, I remember eating it. I think the, um, I remember that Stripes, with Rav Salvechik, uh, they were the only ones that I remember that had on the box, this should only be eaten by Chayla McDonald. Oh, that Stripes yeah, had that on the side of the box, yes. But it's interesting. You take a look at the language of the Aruch Hashulchan. He's 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 screaming out that how could people be so lenient about it? He's you know apparently there was a pervasive lenient attitude about egg matzah, and he's screaming out. Could be because of the Ramah and the, and the Ashkenazi chumras of how to make regular matzah that were so right. dry and thin. The idea of having uh, like a, a, a sweeter, thicker type of matzah thing was was a big hano. In other words, as we know, the old uh, the Temanim and the others fired him. Their matzah was was more like a pita. But our, I think that might have like unleashed the demon, so to speak. Of we, they didn't want to let go because finally they had something that could. Whether it didn't have to be the Barton's chocolate, even the regular egg matzah was softer. It was something that had it had a sweeter taste to it. I think that's part of the reason why once people started having it, that it was very tough to let go of it. Um, yeah, again, again, the Aruch HaShulchan is not only now a generation. The Aruch HaShulchan is speaking to his generation, and his language is, It's interesting. That, by the way, he calls it this minhag, right? And maybe that's also part of why there was a certain lax attitude about it. Because, you know, when, when people hear the word minhag, they develop a certain um, a- attitude about it. Oh, this is not din, this is only a minhag, it's only a custom. And uh, the sock really is uh, that it's okay. But he says, Mazalzlim beminhag veloshin afilu anoshin Right, even healthy people. So Aruch Hashogun is like screaming out over here. He says, "I don't, you know, this is a big problem. This is a pervasive problem, and people, I apparently are, um, you know, um, uh, um, you know, not li- weren't listening." 
And he goes on to say, of course, that, you know, how important the minag is. He's like really trying to give a very strong sense of how this, um, um, you know, um, is, uh, you know, something that we have to follow. But anyway, yeah. Before we move on to Kittyus, I just want to say that one of the difficult things about this kula for Chaylam and Ketanim is they're not say matzah anyway. So in other words, right? So in other words, you have a person, oh, booby, without the teeth, she's going to eat egg matzah. That's what it was, right? Or the kids, right? Lamaisa, they're not say anyway, right? Because lakoladeus, even if the deus that hold that it's like Rurosh and the others who say that may peris bechalal in machmitzen, it's zikr not matzah. So what was what do we need? That, in other words, there's other foods, right? There's other foods you could give, but you could give to the chayla mikdanim too. This is Rabbi Kavalevich. Rabbi Kavalevich, if I could remind you, now that we're taking a trip down uh, memory memory lane. Yes. You know, uh, Pesach years ago, when you walked into the grocery store, uh, is not what Pesach is today when you walk into the grocery store. You know, people have memories of basically potatoes, eggs, meat, chicken, very little other foods were available, right? Certainly in Europe, that was the case. The, uh, the, you know, the the amount of variety that uh, was available, kamat was nothing, you know, you know, there was nothing to not Shira, they're not going to be able to the mitzvah, but they need food to eat. They need food. You know, I I, I hear it from my uh, children, their children. What, what are we giving our little kids to eat? You know, they're not eating, they don't want to eat the matzah, you know, so what are we giving them to eat? You know, so it, it's, it becomes a big problem of just food, just giving them something. You can't just give a person meat and potatoes, you got to give them something else, you know. Right. So egg matzah became, an, a, you know, a, a viable alternative. Zokim wants to feel that he's eating something that's ma'ain matzah. He can't, because he doesn't have the teeth and the matzah shruya can't eat either, so. So we give him this, at least that he should feel that he's somehow makusher to the mitzvahs alayla. Okay. Right. Yeah. I, again, you know, you're putting it in terms of the leniency so that so that by the Seder they have something to eat. I, I see it more globally. In other words, that more practically that they need right. something to eat. <laughs> and uh, that's and this gives them something to eat. But um, yeah, I mean, listen, you know, we, we, we learned the other halachos, you know, that according to the Machaber, um Arab Pesach, you you know, you're allowed to eat the egg matzah until the tenth hour, right. according that's, to the that's, that's, that's what the Gemara seems to say that, that you can you can mully kreisay from uh, the Pesachay Shalnochrim, which they learn the Gemara learns that's that's basically matzah. Um, the the discussion about kidneys is not in the Gemara. It's not a Gemara discussion. Uh, this is a, again a later achronim discussion at some point that it comes up, but the Gemara doesn't really get involved. Then the Shulchan Aruch more or less tells us what the Mishnah Pesachim tells us that Elu Devarim Sheyotzman Yidei Chavas Pesach. This is what you could uh, be Yotze for uh, for your obligation of matzah. It's basically the five grains: Chitim Solrim, wheat, barley, Kusman, Spelch, Bolas, Shual, Oats, and Shifon Rye. Um, and then the Machaber says, Avaloba Orez, not with rice, Ushar Mitnei Kidneyas, or other types of legumes. Vegam Einam Boyin Lidei Chimutz. 
they do not come to chimutz. They do not go to chimutz, chametz. And you're allowed to go ahead and cook and make things with rice and any type of legumes, beans, gesunta, hate, it's not does not become chametz. Now, on this issue, no one disagrees. No one disagrees about uh, kidneys uh, not being able to become chametz. So when the Ramah goes on to say, there are those who prohibit it. It's not because that these items of legumes, rice, beans, etc., could become chametz. That's not the chashash. But it's a whole different chashash of concern, completely different. And he says again, and we don't, we don't deviate. So what's this all about? So there's basically two reasons why c- communities were machmir. And again, this is very interesting also because sometimes the minag to be machmir uh, uh, was different from community to community. Not all communities understood or made takanos to be machmir about the same type of, of um, kidneys. Um, they did it for the kidneys that were prevalent by them. And then new things showed up much later, and then it became a question whether they fall into that category of the Chumrah of Kitnius or not. But the basic uh, two reasons that the Mishra brings down is number one is that the legumes were grown in close proximity to the grains. And as a result of that proximity, it was of great concern that perhaps some grain might get mixed in with the legumes. And as a result, and they won't be able to sift through it well enough to guarantee that there is no grain pieces mixed in with the legumes. Uh, so that was one reason why they were machmir. Um, and out of that concern, even though, again, the legumes don't become chametz, but maybe small particles, kernels, of the grains might get mixed into it, and then we have a problem because again, it's a mashiv. We even have to be concerned about the slight, slightest amount. The second reason is fascinating uh, because uh, some of the legume family you could make some kind of a dough out of it, um, as the um, as the Mishnah points out. Uh, you could make a kemach, a type of flour, out of it. And sometimes they could bake from it. And he says, Mishra says, lechem, bread. Um, and probably cakes. You can make from those flowers, uh, flour that's coming out of the uh, legume family. Now we've heard of cornmeal. Um, so you could bake, you know, nice things out of the cornmeal um, and rice meal. You could have a lot of many aretz, uh, common people that don't know halacha, they're not going to distinguish between this flower and another flower. In the, the wheat flour, the same way that they see people making the, uh, let's say, corn flour. And they're not going to be careful about the 18 minutes. They're not going to be careful about other uh, details related to the uh, baking process and they're going to allow it to turn into chametz.
And, and when you think about the second reason, by the way, uh, now you understand why some people were concerned about potatoes. Uh, today, you know, one of the most common type of flowers that allow a flower that allows the baking of <laughs> products today that we never saw before is the potato starch, right? And that potato starch allows for making all these different type of products uh, that look almost like bread-like uh, type of products. And the rabbis initially were very concerned about that. How, people could go to the store. What's the difference between the, this and chametz? And they're going to start being perhaps lax, lax about their chametz. So this is the basis for the chumra. Again, this was taken up by you know various communities. I think the Aruch HaShochan says, again, basically Eastern European countries seem to, this this gezerah, this minhag to be machmir spread. And um, and again, it became a very entrenched minhag. The Dorach HaShohan says everybody needs to follow and they can't just uh, uh, not follow it. And so again, this becomes something that divides Ashkenazim and Sephardim because again, the Machaber doesn't uh, mention anything, any kind of a problem with this. And the Ramah says, again, minhag ba'ashkenaz lahachmi. Where does this Khumra come from? It comes again, Khumra the Chameitz, Khumra the Pisco, all these Khumras that come as a result of the very, very remote possibilities and fears of the rabbis of, you know, something turning into chametz. So, uh, you know, some interesting shilas, you know, that come up as a result of this, let's, but it's not real chametz. And as a result, again, the Marama uh, goes on to say, some kidneys falls into a food mixed food pot, it's not going to make it us. As long as you have rove, a majority against it, it's going to be less of a problem than, than the egg matzah issue and the fruit juice issue. And so the rabbis were, had these built-in coolers. Now, the question is, how far do we go? So um, let's say, uh, the post can talk about, let's say you had um, kidneys that was cooked in a pot. And now they cooked in that same pot. They cooked um, food that's not kidneys. So could an Ashkenazi person eat from that food? That's, that's, it's, it's a common question. Sometimes Sephardim want to invite Ashkenazim over to their house. And they're, they, they're, you, they're cooking pots in pots. They're cooking their pots, uh, what they're allowed to, kidneys. And now they want to go inside, you know what, I'll cook specially for you. Something that has no kidneys, but I'm using my pots. And if you're using his pot that has kidneys, are you allowed to go ahead and partake in that? That's a shayla that post can discuss. So Rabbi Yashiv, again, back in the Dirshu, uh, Mr. Brura, he says, Rabbi Yashiv says, in that case, if it's, an ene benyo, if it's a benyom, if it's something that's been used in 24 hours, you cannot eat it. An Ashkenazi person cannot eat it. We're worried about the tam that comes out. And even after 24 hours, you have a machlokus. The Kapachim says it's okay. And the and Roshul Mazaman Arbach says it's not okay. Um, so, you know, again, there's a question of how far we go with uh, this uh, chumrah. And that's where we um, see it play out. It's interesting. Someone mentioned to me a shayla that came up in somebody's house where somebody on Pesach made a vegetable soup. And after they made the vegetable soup, it occurred to them, oh, you know, I put peas in my vegetable soup. Now they went to their rub and asked, what should we do with our vegetable soup? You know, that has kidneys in it. So the woman told me that the rub said, don't throw it out. You don't have to panic. Everything's okay. Um, you just store it. Don't eat it. Put it away and eat it after Pesach. That was his his answer. Um, so she asked me a question. Says, "One second, you just said that if you have a majority of non kidneys, 
over the kidneys, then you're allowed to eat it. So why aren't you allowed to eat the soup? So I said, that's true. But if I see the pieces of kidneys, I got to take it out. I can't eat the pieces of kidneys. So I said, if you want to go through the soup and pull out all the kidneys, all the peas in it and, and eat the soup, that you could do. One of the most famous questions that came up, you know, uh, in Eretz Yisrael, of course, with Rav Kook, was about uh, sesame seed oil, that he wanted to be matir. Uh, there was the there were wonderful family uh, that he felt he could give them a parnosa because they developed a process of uh, of processing the sesame seed oil. And the Rabbani Yerushalayim came out against Rav Kook's psak, um, and Rav Kook decided to take up the mantle of this whole sugya, uh, and really being mavarer, is totseris kitneus also. When the, when, right. the, when the minna was in the skabel, was in the skabel to the point that it was like chametz mamish, that even a byproduct, or once you've already <clears throat> crushed it, and you've crushed the kidneys and changed them, and now you've just extracted the oil with the oil. And that, it, it, you know, going back to chocolates, for years, I think they used to use corn oil in the yes. chocolate. And we talk about oh. bartons and some of those kosher lepesach chocolates, I think they were, they, they were the, the Rabbanim who used to give the extra, even though they knew it was corn oil, it wasn't just sugar, they felt well, it was Tetzeris Kidneus. So Tetzeris mm. Kidneus would be, Tetzeris Kidneus they felt might be, was not well, part of the Tetzeris. Wasn't the, uh, you know, the whole issue about peanuts, but for those people, the whole kidneys, but they still had peanut oil. In, at right, one Rameisha, time. And Ramesha was matir that. He was matir the peanut oil. Ramesha had two stardom to be matir. One side was that he felt, and this is a whole machlekas between Ramesh and some of the other later paiskim, when the takono was made, did it include even minim that weren't weren't part of the discovery of humans at that time? Peanuts, which were only developed later as a uh, uh, as a food source, or were only found in a place where there were no Jewish communities, or quinoa today, or anything like that, does is that included in the xera of kinyan? So yeah. I think Ramesh will use two coolest. The first of all, it's a shiva whether it included peanuts, which were unknown at that time. And then you have the crushing of the peanuts. I'm much more machmir. <laughs> Hopefully all these humorous rov are going to, are, are, are simonim that we could, you know, Ramesh Shalom will see it as ava to be makar of the gula, that we that we, we love these mitzvahs and we're so careful about it that the Ramesh Shalom will, will see it not as a reflection of one upsmanship of one community over another, but really the ava uh, 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 of the Rabbi Shalom's mitzvahs that we're willing to take it upon ourselves. Otherwise, yeah. I think, as you say, it generates it, it generates ketrugim because this is just another means of, of of putting a stave between one community and another, which is or one house and another or right. people. There are many um, svarim who write that you know. Pesach brings its challenges and its uh, and its uh, difficulties, and it certainly exhausts people to a great extent. But uh, this zechus, this merit of working so hard to be mekayim mitz Pesach kedas v'kedin and to be so thorough and so um, uh, stringent upon themselves ourselves to make sure that we eradicate all the vestige of chametz is a tremendous segula for you know Kodesh Baruch Hu looking upon Klai Yisrael in the very Fond way and giving us the koach and the inspiration to continue to serve Kodesh Baruch Hu. They say from Rav Chaim that the brisker that why did Klal Yisrael 
adopt this greeting, Chag Kosher V'Sameach. And again, this is an old adage that Kosher is what everybody is working on. Iker is that it should be Sameach afterwards because yep. many times in our, in our maniacal urge to, to be as Kosher as possible, we, we, we sort of eliminate all sense of Simcha from, yeah. from the Chag. Yes. Rob, you've given us, but knowledge is what allows us to do that. When we know right. based on, that's the best way. So Chag Kosher V'Sameach, Rob, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.